Hey, welcome to Cannon Fodder, an all-things Arsenal podcast. I'm Tim. I'm Fred. (laughs) That sums up everything you need to know about Arsenal at the moment. Shit. Poopy shit. (laughs) First of all, um, welcome back. And we didn't get a midweek pod out for the Southampton game um, just because... um, with our work schedules and family schedules, it's really difficult for us to get one out in midweek right now. Um, but I just wanted to touch on it really quick. Not really in any great detail because more it's same old, same old, it's you know, more f- fuel for the fire. Yeah. You know, we showed a couple bright spots, basically just didn't have it in us to go out and try to win a game. Another Lose red Southampton. Card. Another red card. There's really, one, one. Yeah. Oh yeah, that's right. Yeah, oh, we, we drew. We drew. Like every game, you just assume. Long. Yeah, <laughs> we yeah, assume that I'm every game we play, that. we lose. Yeah, yeah. Gabriel red card. I forgot. <laughs> right <laughs> after so we bad. equalized, too. Right after we equalized, yeah. Albemiang finally breaks his goal drought, gets a really well worked goal. Bakayo Saka, great play, all that sort of stuff. The stuff you want to see after a pretty drab, yeah. after a pretty yeah, dire yeah, yeah. first half. Um, and then Gabrielle gets two yellow cards in the space of like five minutes, and then yeah. the game's flipped on its head. We can't do anything with ten men. Um, and then we end up barely, I mean, luckily like holding on, you know, to, to secure a point. That's a pretty well-earned point out of the context of this season. But in the context of this season, it's, it just feels like more of the same. It's It's not not good enough. enough, And it just is hard to take. Um, And going back to that Gabriel red card, I think the circumstances of him getting sent off is a good segue into the game at the weekend, because in my mind, watching that scenario play out is you see a young central defender in a team that is not playing well that does not have a lot of confidence and it is absorbing a lot of pressure and you know the first foul that he comes in for is pretty high up the pitch you know what i mean yeah and and so is the second one. And you're just thinking, like, why is he even getting that high up into those spaces, making those fouls right there? Yeah. You know, and just kicking the ball and being frustrated, all of it. It's just, to me, it just moves into this game. And you're just trying to figure out, you know, why we're under so much pressure, why we're playing so bad, why we can't just get it together. We go into the Everton game, and it's the same exact thing and i and yeah. you know we we lose 2-1 to everton and i just want to hop straight into because you know screw the lineup because honestly it didn't matter the only thing that baffled me like completely baffled me about the lineup was you can you have pepe on the right great we wanted to see that because william hasn't been doing it well why would you go put him on the left when you have some really good young players who can play on the left yeah you know and are going to give you a lot more energy after what we've seen from William in the past, you know, five months. It's just not, it's, in, it's insanity, but you know, we get into it <sighs> opening goal, you know, first goal from Everton, you know, I've seen some people talk about, Oh, it's so unlucky. You know, the deflection, you know, what's not unlucky about that goal is hmm. letting Alex Awobi, God bless him run yep. up at the box and just put a completely uncontested cross in. I mean, yeah. granted, 
it the ball was going wide. It is unlucky that it came off a of Rob Holding's thigh like that. Yeah, it came. It, it went down yeah. as an own goal. Like yeah, yeah. It's it went down as an own goal, but it's. A, I mean, you can't bemoan your lack of luck and nothing going your way when you aren't doing the hard work to cut out the cross in the first place. He's in. Yep. He has so much time and space to put that cross in. I mean, yep. granted, Calvert Lewin does well to run into the box right there. It's dangerous. Yeah, Rob Holding does about as much as he can do as a defender right there because if he gets any tighter, or goes in harder, you know, it, it's, it's difficult there. But it, it is unlucky, but it's not unlucky that they got the cross in and that it turned yeah. out the way it did because we didn't do the hard work. Yeah, I, I would say it's not unlucky, but it's not or it is unlucky, but it's not unexpected, if that makes any sense. Because of exactly what you said, we're not doing the basics right at this point. And we've had so many podcasts in a row and Arsenal have played so many games in a row in which we've just kind of, you and I have been like try like searching, every Arsenal fan has been searching for some sort of answer or reason as to why things are going so poorly. Uh, you know, whether it's tactics from Mikel Arteta, whether it's personnel not being good at football, we're not doing the basics right. None of those things even matter. They don't even start to matter when you just don't put the effort in the requisite effort in to compete at this premier league level. Um, Particularly William in the first half was the, I don't think I'm exaggerating. It is the worst performance in any football match that I've ever seen in my entire life. Like he looked like he could give a fuck about what was going on. Every one-on-one, every shoulder to shoulder trying to win a second ball. He just barely dangled a leg out or just kind of like acted like he was starting to maybe try to win the ball back. Um, And that was about it. He, whenever he got the ball in possession, he passed it backwards or sideways. He never ran at anyone. He never tried to make anything happen and he didn't try at all. I just wanted to mention him specifically in that first half because it was just dog shit. It was just bad. And I feel like that energy and that sort of like presence from one of your supposedly most experienced, not supposedly, but one of your most experienced players, you look to people like that. Like you were mentioning our young players, Bakayo Saka, Rob Holding, Ainsley Maitland-Niles, uh, Joe Willock, who came off the bench in the second half. People like that are looking to your experienced players to kind of set the tone, set the tempo, do the, the little things right, and then you know see what happens from there. And our experienced players were nowhere to be seen, nowhere to be found. Yeah. Um, yes, Aubameyang was injured and not in the lineup. Yes, there were a couple guys missing. But David Luiz, William, these freaking Chelsea rejects. Like it, it made me like so disappointed and I was so close to turning it off. I think I texted you yeah. um, at, at halftime and was like, if William doesn't get taken off here, if he doesn't get taken off at halftime for that terrible display that he just put out, uh, I'm turning the game off. He played um, 90 minutes cause, and he played, he played the whole 90 minutes. So I wasn't, I wasn't true Which to my word at all there, in, but it's incredible. It's incredible. Even, even more like yeah. baffling than the way he played in the first half is that in the second half, he actually had some pretty good moments. So I don't know. That's just, that sums up Arsenal at the moment is I don't know. Yeah. You just you don't know? know. And you know, shortly after this, uh, you know, the own goal goes in, you yeah. know, we spark a little bit. I think we started playing, you know, the next 10 minutes after that, we did start to play a little bit better. We showed some intent. We had a couple chances. Um, I And when Maitland Niles makes that run, you yeah. know, kind of a little dribble, takes a little shot, gets a deflection, tries to put it back, gets fouled, we get the penalty. I thought we deserved that goal. I thought that we had played, 
you know, well enough. We had responded very that, well, but, but yeah. real quick, sorry, look where the response comes from. And I think this is a pretty core issue, core problem. It's a generic overused sort of, uh, analysis about Arsenal to say that, oh, they lack leadership. That's what people have said for the past decade, which is partially yeah. true, but it was our young players yeah. uh, pick, taking this game by the scruff of the neck. We're talking Nicolas Pepe, Ainsley Maitland-Niles especially had a really good moment, had a really good, I think, game in general, but like after they scored, he responded really well, but Kyle Saka responded really well. Um, and yeah, we definitely responded, uh, created some chances, won that penalty, um, Nicholas Pepe stepped up, scored it. It was a huge moment for him um, after being suspended for three games, coming back, getting a goal. And after that, I'm like, all right, this is what we needed. We yeah. needed that penalty. We needed that goal. We needed to get back into this game and feel like, okay, everything is going wrong for this team. Everything is going wrong for this club for the past couple months. Um, and we're in a horrible position in the league in a horrible just overall position we need this, we need to kick on, we need to do something about it. And the second half ends the way that it does, or the first half, excuse me, yeah, ends the way right, that it does. Yeah. And it's right just, before, yeah, right yeah. before halftime, they score it. Cause I meant, and I, you know, curse my luck for even saying it. I remember it was like, like the 43rd minute. And I was like, okay, okay, this is good. This is good. We'll go into halftime one, one, this isn't terrible. Like, you know, we can, you know, we can change it around in the second half because I'm just always optimistic like that. You got to be at a certain point, you know, Yeah, I'm thinking, okay, 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 okay. We we can, we can do something about this. Then, you know, score from the header, you know, it's a, (laughs) that's a frustrating goal. It's a terrible goal to concede, honestly. And especially in the context of the angle of it. I mean, it's a, it's a great header. I mean, in terms of just like, how it went in as a actually it was really reminiscent of uh, Aubameyang's uncle, uncle. A little um, bit, yeah. But I would say <laughs> this: it's it's just ironic in the sense that in the summer Arsenal yeah. appointed a set piece coach and to solve problems like this. And in fairness, over the course of the season, we have not conceded many goals from set pieces. But Everton taking the lead two one right before halftime. It was a pretty basic run, a pretty simple run, and David Luiz didn't get up in time, didn't respond in time to Yeri Mina's run to that near post, and he heads it perfectly in. Burton Leno got close to it. He tried. nothing really he could do about it. Yeah. But it was just a freaking – dude, it was just a gut punch. Like nothing is going right for this team. Nothing's going right for this club, and it's – like I don't know what else to say about the overall general trajectory of the club Then nothing is going right. Um, so yeah, that's how that first half ended. Yeah. It was, it was bad. It was bad from Arsenal. Um, yeah. Like a lot of our first halves have been this year. Um, going in the second half, we start playing a lot better. I think the first like 10 minutes and you know, excuse me, I keep burping all that beer just to get ready to (laughs) the podcast. Fuck. Yeah. Um, liquid courage. Yep. I'm I'm a little bit loath to say we played so much better because the bar was so low in the first half that we yeah, literally could have come out and just played sl- like just ran a little faster and people would be like, oh wow, they're really out there giving it, you know? And <laughs> they're like, trying. no, they're not. They're, they're just like finally getting up to what most teams in the Premier League this season would call a reasonable amount of effort to try to get something out of a game. Yeah, but that's how you're supposed to, you're supposed to start, you know. And we didn't. Yeah. But the second half, we come out. We, 
you know, relatively we're playing a little bit better, but there's still a lot of just, you know, just reading like, you know, different little things. I I definitely agree with this. There's a lot of players hiding in plain sight. There's a lot of back and forth, impotent passing people, you know, calling for the ball, wanting passes, wanting crosses, but they're behind a defender or they have two or three, you know, they're going to get pressed so far. They're not coming. They're not being available. It's the same problems we've had all season with nobody taking responsibility and trying to put the ball in dangerous areas or getting themselves in positions where they can even, you know, create a meaningful impact on what happens in the game. Yeah, I I would like to specifically because I mean, there's no hiding from the fact that Arsenal are just in a terrible way at the moment in a terrible just funk, um, and so this is like a very negative podcast because there's nothing else we can say. But I'd specifically, I think our midfield duo had a had a shocking game, in the sense yeah. of like what you were just explaining. I think El Nini and Ceballos both, I think the phrase used hiding in plain sight. They pretended almost. It seemed like they were almost pretending to show for the ball, but they're standing right next to an Everton player and they know that they're not going to get the ball passed to them. Um, So Bios did that a ton. They never are running into space, making themselves available because they're scared to make a mistake because the club is at such a low point right now. They don't want to be the ones that make the mistake that allow Everton to go two goals up or whatever it is. And it's just, there's no courage. There's no backbone. Yeah. There's no spine. There's no confidence. There's just nothing but fear. And that fear is just paralyzing the vast majority of our players. And it was only, and we'll say it again, like you mentioned earlier, it's only the young players that are trying to do the right things. It's Bakayo Saka running at the defense's, making them scared, making them worried, carrying the ball in dangerous areas. It's Maitland-Niles doing the same thing. It's Pepe trying to do the, the same thing. It's it's Joe Willick coming on in the second half for El Nini, trying to just pick the ball up and do something progressive and positive and forward thinking. And he's not hiding. Yeah. He's showing for the ball. Even if Joe Willick, yes, okay, people, he's got his critics. He may not make it at Arsenal. That's fine but he is at least showing the attitude and the willingness yeah. and the bravery to play. And the same cannot be said for all of the senior players on that pitch tonight. And that's David yeah. Luiz, William, El Nini, Ceballos. Even Ceballos is younger. He's a very experienced player. William, like those guys were, were not showing for the ball. We're not trying. Yeah. And that sums wanna, up. Hold on, hold on. I want to go back to the Ceballos and El Nini thing really quickly because yeah. Yeah, yeah, something yeah. I noticed in the first half, which – you know, even going back to when the lineups came out, came out, I thought Ceballos and El Nini was a bad choice. And the reason I thought it was a bad choice is because they tend to take up the same areas of the pitch. They both want to pick it up true. off the, you know, they both want to pick it off a center back and turn and play it out wide or play it through the middle. That that's what both of them. That's their bread and butter. You know, I think yeah. El Nini's a little more mobile than Ceballos is. So. Mm-hmm. I understand having him in there because Everton are really athletic. They run a lot. Um, But in the first half, you saw it so many times. Literally, they're running into the same space to get the Mm. ball from the same center back. And you're just like, you guys can't even talk? You can't even look at each other? Yeah. You know, just – and it's one of those situations. And look, I played college soccer – I've played for years. I wasn't the best center midfielder in the world, but I did play center mid and I intended to be the one depending on the team we were playing who was further back picking the ball off, you know, the center backer from mm-hmm. the keeper or you yeah. know. Yeah. And yeah. <laughs> if you start a game 
And within the first five to 10 minutes of the game, you see yourself running into the same space as your other center midfield partner. When you're playing in a double pivot like that, you have a conversation on the field that lasts about 30 seconds. And you say, Hey, are you staying? Or are you going? Yeah. Are you, are you, you push up? I'll stay back. Let's yeah. like, we're running into the same space. Like yeah. you, we got to stop. This is bull. You know, like you have a conversation on the field and you'd sort it out. Yeah. You just absolutely have to. Otherwise you yep. get wrung out by your coach. You get absolutely wrung out. Yeah. And so it, it, and you can hear Arteta on the sideline, like yelling at Ceballos, like move Danny, move up, move, like yelling at him. And you're just like, yeah. ah, like, it's not going to work. That's why it's like, for me, I would have started El Nini and I would have started Willick because El Nini's mm. not going to stop running around. He wants to stay a little bit further back to pick that ball up off the center back. Willick is just going to be all over the place. Yeah. They both run. So I, yeah, yeah, definitely. It, it, it was frustrating in the second half because I didn't get to watch all of it. I watched like the first 20 minutes of it, but it was the same thing. It's like we had one little chance where uh, Louise hit, you know, he had that little shot he hit into the ground that kind of went off the post. Off the that bar, was, yeah. And, you know, and you're just like, ah, like that's one of those things where I actually am like, man, we have zero luck. Zero like, luck. Nothing yeah. is just dinking in for us. But, yeah. and that would have been big, you know, you know, tie it up. Two two, it would have been yeah. big for us. But it didn't work out. Yeah, it didn't work out. We had a lot of just lame possession with nothing really, no clear cut chances. We didn't really create much. We finished the game. We lose. And I, I just want to read this stat really quick. Mm. These stats about kind of where we're at in the prim real quick. And this was really illuminating to me today because it's. I think the the way this kind of conversation transitions after we kind of get through the game is whether or not it's time to sack Arteta. I think mm. it's a I think it's a complicated question right now. It's a but, layered you know, question. The, yeah. Yeah. These are the stats, okay? And and this is because you know, I try to be as optimistic as I possibly can as a fan. Because I just want to believe that if we're playing bad, we can turn it around or that if we're playing good, we can win something. You know what I mean? Yeah. You, you got to yeah. have some sort of hope as a fan. Otherwise it's just so depressing. Yeah. And so, you know, for a long time I've been like, man, we're just so unlucky. We've had so many shots, you know, both nothing working out blah, blah, blah. like all these different things. And then sky after the game, sky sports comes out with these stats, right? And they have, they like rank all the teams you know, in like their shots, goals, all that kind of stuff, you know, and yeah. Arsenal are 20th in how many goals they scored. We've just scored three goals since the last interlull. Okay. Yeah. So it's like the last, what, like eight games or something like that. Good Lord. We are 19th in shots on target, 20th yeah. in shooting accuracy and 20th in conversion rate with chances. So yeah, it's not bad you know we're not having bad luck you know and i yeah. actually um arse blog he put those stats up i read that on his stats i run and 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 he makes the point too it's not bad luck this is how we play this is the, the way our team is playing we've been playing like this the majority of the season and if you take yeah. europa league out of the um equation but yeah this is just how we are playing right now and so we lose that game at everton and immediately I'm just thinking to myself the next few days, does it make sense to, 
you know, because there's a part of me that's like, it can't all be Arteta's fault. Because you look at all the stuff that's going on in the club with the backroom staff, the fact, I mean, even look at his coaching staff. There's not yeah. a lot of experience on They're his coaching staff. Guys. It's him, yep. or it's him, David, one of David Moy's ex assistants, and then a bunch of 20 year olds. They have zero yep. experience From about Brentford. what it means. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm not saying that they're not talented. I'm not saying that they won't become great, great coaches. But at the moment, they're at the the nascent early stages of their careers, and they don't have that deep well of experience to draw on. You know, yeah, about how to turn a team around like this, how to get the fighting spirit back in the team, or what to change to get them to play better. You know, you think about it. Yeah. I mean, I mean, even think about like West Brom. They they sacked. Uh, seven village right yeah he is a vastly more experienced coach than arteta vastly west brom with all due respect is a smaller club than arsenal and they you know it wasn't good enough for them i mean even if you look at last season with uh marco silva who got sacked at everton before carlo ancelotti came in he lost like I think it was like seven or eight games in like the first 10 or 11 games like that. And they sacked him. Yeah. You know, and it's a different project. It's a different club. It's a whole different thing. But the reality is that the people who are above Arteta have done a really bad job for a really long time. Even the, you know, Ivan Gazidis, you know, Emery, Raul, Husfami, even you the know Mislintat, the owners the to owners. an extent, they have only just started paying attention. It feels like you know what I mean. I don't want to get into a big thing about uh, you know the Cronkies, but you know they have spent money. But the people they've given the authority to to spend the money have done a really really terrible job. Yeah, they've done a really terrible job, and that's why you that's you know that's why they you know bring in their own you know, kind of lawyer financial guy. And within a, a few months of him being there, Raul's out the door. Our head of Us, football is sacked. Yeah. Because of some shady fucking transfer dealings. Yeah. yeah. And you're just, you're just, look, we're looking at things. And I think a big part of what we're dealing with right now is an extreme case of mismanagement with how our resources have been dealt with, how our coaching staff has been dealt with. I mean, even, even think about when Freddie was like, the temporary coach, they gave him like per murder sacker and like one random guy. Yeah, no, the, know, like the, uh, guy- the physio, it wasn't an assistant coach, but like our yeah. head physio, like Darren Burgess was the guy out there like leading warmups and like doing passing drills with the players. And it's like, wait, no, he's a yeah. club doctor. He's not like a football coach. No, <laughs> and it's just, I just feel like the, it's just been so, it's just insanity. It's yeah, the problem insanity. Some of the things yeah. that have happened at this club in the past year, and that's—I don't think that's the reason we're playing bad. But I want to look at Arteta, and you look at what he's coming out and some of the stuff that he's saying about like the only way we win is if like you know this is just this is bad for the whole club is what he's saying. You know, like this isn't just bad for the players. This, this is like if we don't change it around, he goes, "This is bad for Arsenal, like everybody yeah. at the club." You know, I think he's trying to say that, like, look, there's stuff going on that he probably can't even talk about. That he's like, there's probably not enough support. There's nobody, you know, there's not a, there's not enough people above him who actually have any sort of impetus to make all these things happen. And even Edu, I'm looking at him and I'm like, 
what is he doing? Yeah. You know, it's not like he can just go in and change things, but at the same time, I'm like, if I'm Edu, I'm looking at Arsenal's form right now, and I'm I'm looking at Arteta, and I'm like, you have, if you do not win this next game, or if we draw and it doesn't look like we were worth anything, you're done. You're done. Yeah. I mean, and it's it because at this point, it's like, and we already had this. You and me had this conversation. I don't know who we could get in that would do anything. I don't even know if any head coach or manager is going to come in to change it. I think we need more structure at, at an executive level. We need people who know what the hell they're doing, buying players who are going to fit what this club is trying to achieve, which we have not done in the last two years. We have a couple yeah. couple gyms. Tierney's a gym. Gabrielle's a gym. You know, there's a couple other little players in there Saka. here and there. Saka. But, you know, he was already at the club. You know, we re-signed him. But there's yeah. so many terrible dealings and, and just ways that we've built this team. And our, I think Arteta is inexperienced. He's going through a hard patch. He doesn't know how to turn it around right now. And he hasn't had the type of team building or the type of executive board around him to get the team he needed. And we're suffering from a really mismanaged, poorly knit together team. Big time. Big time. Yeah, I think the problems have been in the post um, for a long time. And they've been masked over with um, maybe a few signings here and there. They've been masked over by by Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang having uh, just a few seasons of prolific goal scoring that the stats did not back up. You know, he, he was outscoring his XG massively and he was kind of carrying us through a lot of hard times. And the unfortunate part, I guess, about the whole situation is um, to bring it back a little bit, when you leave a long-term legacy manager um, like Arsene Wenger, when you move on from him, a guy who was in charge of this club for 22, 23 years, it's always going to be difficult for your club to to, to kind of refine its identity and to reform its identity. Um, and when you add on top of that, just some very, very poor signings um, in his last few seasons, um, it's not like Arsenal have the same resources as a Man United have. Um, you know, Man United are playing well at the moment, but they're a, they're back and forth. They're either in crisis or they're like the best club in the world um, because they do have a lot of talented players. Um, but they're they haven't been they haven't had a solid manager since Alex Ferguson um, left. A similar um, length of tenure there for him as as Arsene Wenger at Arsenal. We haven't had the money to throw at the problems that United have had. Um, and Arteta has come in, tried to fix the club um, from a culture standpoint and try to get all the players on board, try to get all the staff on board. Um, and I think that all of the problems that Arsenal have had in the last five seasons or so, um, really all the problems are coming home to roost. Um, a lot of the signings that we have made, a lot of the culture and the passivity of certain players and of certain um, executives at the club, um, it's all just come home to roost. It's all, all been yeah. laid bare. And the unfortunate part is at the beginning of the season, last season, it's easy to forget right now, but last season ended on a massive high. We won the FA Cup. Great win. Semi-final, final, beating Man City and Chelsea. Everybody just felt on top of the world, signing Thomas Party. Everyone's like, all right, we got this. We've re-signed Aubameyang as well, re-signed Bakayo Saka. It's like, all right, the good ship Arsenal is sailing on 
in a positive direction. And then quickly everything goes to shit after we've re-signed these players, after we've signed these new players, after we already have all these bad players on the book, and after the club upgraded or promoted Mikel Arteta from head coach to manager. Um, he kind of has a little bit more responsibility overseeing a lot more football operations. But everything that can go wrong has gone wrong. Um, we have a young and promising, but at the same time, very inexperienced manager who's never gone through anything like this or experienced anything like this from a managerial standpoint. And we have a lot of dead rubber um, stopgap signings uh, in this club that are, are not performing. David Luiz, not good enough, not doing well, not adding anything to this team, arguably hurting this team. William, not good enough hurting this team, playing poorly. Uh, Mesut Ozil, not even in the Premier League squad. Um, Mustafi, like we could go through a list of this club and realize that there are about four to six players that we would keep genuinely like want to see playing for Arsenal again at this point. And it's just a, just a frustrating place to be. And I, I'm not sure like, there's no succinct point to make. It sounds like I've been like, I feel like I've been rambling because I have been, but like there's no succinct point to make about what's going on and what's going wrong because it's everything. It's everything's gone wrong um, from the choices Arteta has made in his lineups to just unlucky deflections into the back of the net. Like what happened to Rob holding, like what happened to Alabama Yang last game. Like so many things are going wrong and it's so difficult to see the way out to see what Arteta has to do to fix things, um, that it it becomes like hard. It causes I think fans to kind of reevaluate their level of engagement with the club. Like it's definitely done that to me. Like how much do I want to interact with this thing that sounds silly but is depressing? <laughs> like is sad and is annoying and is like in a way hurtful. Like days are better when Arsenal win. Days are worse when they lose. Um, and that's just yeah. like kind of the the thing we sign up for when we become fans of this club but all in all man like i just yeah. i don't know what the way forward is um if i had to guess it would be just to play youth it would be to reward the players even if they're not as experienced or as good it would be to reward the players who are actually fighting for the badge and playing for the club and to tell the likes of william and david louise um and potentially danny ceballos and just some other players to fuck yeah. off. You're not good enough to play for this club. You're not good enough to play for this team. You're not trying in one of our darkest moments, our worst ever start in Premier League history. You're not trying. You're not playing. You're hiding on the pitch. Fuck off. We're going to give some time to Emil Smith-Rowe. We're going to give some time to Joe Willock. We're going to maybe draft William Saliba back into the the, the first team lineup. We're going to play Maitland-Niles. We're going to play Tierney. Like We're going to play the kids and the rest of you lot can fuck off because – I'm not sure what else he does outside of, you know, getting ridiculously lucky and winning games. So it's a, it's a dark place. It's a dark time. It's like we put off this podcast we were going to record last night and I was like, dude, I'm not feeling it. I can't talk about this right now. Like it's, it's, uh, it's hard. It's just really hard. Um, And it doesn't get much easier because the next two games is uh, Man City in the league cup and, and Chelsea Chelsea on boxing day on the 26th. So, doesn't get any easier for Arteta, but but yeah, no, it's tough, no, man. It doesn't. End of the games after that, you know, you're thinking, you know, even if we if we go to Chelsea and we lose, 
then I think the vast majority of just football fans in general who watch the Prem would probably think we're going to lose that game right now. Yep. Yep. Um, That's not a surprise at all. But yeah, I can't remember what games we have after that. It's like West Brom. It's a very uh, easy run of like, I think it's about four, four to five games where we have a good run of playing the likes of Newcastle, Brighton, West Brom, maybe Fulham again, because that was our first game of the season. Um, we've got a, a pretty yeah. easy run of fixtures after this Chelsea game. So I think we can look forward to that. Yeah, maybe that's the thing though. But it's like, if you lose, if we lose the Chelsea game, then it makes that run even way more important. Like puts more pressure where, on it. Yeah. Yeah. you got to win every single game. You have to like, literally, I feel like <laughs> that's the, that's the position that we're in. If if we lose at Chelsea, because we didn't, because we couldn't win at Southampton, Southampton, because we couldn't win at Everton. But you know what I'm saying? It's just I know a, what you're getting at. Yeah, it's we've put so much pressure on ourselves with these poor performances that literally, like, it every single game is do or die because it is. If yeah. we lose at Chelsea, I would be very surprised if Arteta didn't get sacked. If we lose in a disappointing fashion, if we lose badly by either the scoreline or the overall performance looks like we never really had much of a shout or much of a chance. Um, But I just looked up the fixture. So after that Chelsea game, I don't give a shit about the Carabao Cup, by the way, the Man City game on the 22nd. I could care less what happens there. Um, Knowing Arsenal and how we've performed in cup competitions, we'll probably win 3-0. Anyways, um after that Chelsea game, the things that get easier, the games that get easier, it's Brighton uh, away, West Brom away. Then we have Newcastle at home, Crystal Palace at home, Newcastle at home, and then Southampton away. So it's six to seven games that maybe besides Southampton, because they've actually done really, really well this season. They're like fourth or fifth. They're up there in the conversation for one of the top teams in the league this so far this season. Um We've got some winnable games there. So I honestly, if something happens and we get a result out of that Chelsea game, that is far more than anybody could have expected. Um, but after that, I, I like you've said, I don't see what Arsenal do if they sack Arteta. I don't see who they get in. I don't know what they can do. I think you can't judge him based on the Everton result and the Chelsea result. I think if he's not gaining points, if he's not gaining not just points, but wins, in that next run of five, six games of playing just low level opposition, it's time to go at that point. I'm sorry, but it's, it's time to go. I don't know where the club goes from there, but it's just not where we're at. And we're in a legitimate relegation scrap. If those get those five, six games go poorly. Um, I think Arteta's got time. I think if you look honestly, ironically, I just mentioned how well Southampton are doing. They gave their manager time. They had some scary results. They had some bad yeah. results. They lost like 9-1 to Leicester or whatever it was. 9-0. Like, Ridiculous, never happened in the history of the Premier League kind of results. And they stuck with him because they thought he could get something out. It looked at the time like the Southampton players were not playing for the manager. Like they had given up. Like everything was going wrong for them then. And you look at them now and they're doing well. You got to keep your fingers crossed that something similar yeah, but, will happen with Arteta but, and Arsenal. But I don't see where it's coming yeah, from. Yeah, but, but their manager is a really experienced manager who's been a yeah. manager for like a long ass time, yeah. you know? Yeah, that's it, very that's true. A, that's the thing that's just difficult about it for me when I look at it. Cause 
you look at Southampton and they are playing well. And the the rest of that season after that nine nil defeat, they actually, you know, turned out. They played decent, man. They brought yeah. it around. But the thing is, is they have a manager and a coaching staff. You know, his whole deal. I mean, he's super experienced. He's been around the block. He's been in yeah. teams that have played bad. He he knew what he needed to do to get the those players firing again. Yeah. And I just don't see Arteta being able to do that. Because even when he came yeah. in last season, you know, he really improved a lot of scenarios for us. You know, we did start playing better, you know, mm-hmm. but for whatever we, reason, we were found out very quickly this yeah. season. You know, that's what I, yeah, that's what I'm saying. You know, like there's so many of what we were doing at the end of last season. It's just not working. I mean, even think about when we were playing a, God damn, who was it when he was like getting all chippy about all the crosses we were putting into the box? You know, we put like 48 crosses. That was against Spurs. Yeah, against Spurs. Exactly. 44 crosses. Like, oh, well, you know, we put it in the, you know, and it's, it just didn't, you know, we're putting in these balls or getting these chances is just not working for us. And you're just like, even just take away the crosses, the ball over the top, you know, kind mm-hmm. of thing that we were doing at the end of last season that, you know, Alba scored four goals in the semifinal and final and we win the FA cup, you know, that as soon as teams found out what we were doing at this season, it, it all, those balls are all cut out. Yeah, completely. We're not, you know, none of Pepe Alba, they're not getting that service because it's not there anymore because these teams know exactly what those we're spaces to do. are we covered. And I game. think, I think ironically, I think Arteta had us playing in that way we were sort of, we've mentioned this on the podcast before and every Arsenal fan knows it, but we were we were bypassing midfield because our personnel in midfield are subpar. They are not good enough for us to control possession and control games and create chances through the middle of the park. So we were playing on the wings. We were sending long balls in, 60-yard diagonals into Aubameyang, into Pepe, into whatever, and we were playing that way, bypassing the middle of the park completely. As soon as teams figured that out, they cover up the spaces and they made us play through the middle, and lately we haven't been able to create anything. I think one major thing that we're maybe sort of discounting if Arteta is given the time is what a seriously good, promising, young or established attacking midfielder could do for this squad. I don't know who that is. There's been all sorts of rumors and it's a conversation for a different day because we've already been running a little bit long this pod. But, you know, there's Isco, there's Awar, which I highly doubt. There's just a few players in there that if we brought in, you don't know what they could do for this team and we could play in a slightly different way. We don't know what it would look like if we get a player like that and we get Thomas party back from injury, this whole team could legitimately be transformed. There's so many intangibles here, man. There's so many things going wrong that we just don't know why or what or whatever. But I think one thing's for sure that our midfield is dog shit. Um, And it's just, it's not good enough to compete. And that's a big, big, big problem that could be solved partially in January. But ultimately, we just, we don't know exactly what goes on behind the scenes. We don't know exactly what's going on right now. So there's only so much we can say. There's so much of this conversation, this podcast that has gone on longer than we thought it would, that is just us inferring. It's us guessing. It's us like the wish casting, thinking, hoping things might get better and us guessing as to why things have gone so poorly. Um, but you never know what uh, just a, a couple of new players or a new player and, and Thomas party returning from injury could do to this club and could do to this team. So I don't know, man, it's going to be a tough game against Chelsea. 
I doubt we'll pod. We might after the uh, the Man City game in midweek. Um, but it's 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 not getting any easier in the immediate term. But hopefully, if Arteta's still around, those uh those four to six games that we've got after that Chelsea game can we can maybe turn something around. But it's one thing's for sure. It's uh dark times uh, as Arsenal fans. Dark times for the club. Um, and we apologize for having such a downer podcast about it, but there's really nothing else we can do. There's nothing else we can say. Let's just leave it there. Hit them with the social media. God forbid they go look at any of it. Yeah. It's not been quite as active as of late. My whole, our whole just arsenal involvement as of late has just been a lot less than normal. But if you want to, (laughs) we're on Instagram, at Cannon Fodder Pod, we're on Twitter at Pod Cannon Fodder. You can email us at cannonfodderpod at gmail.com. Uh, leave us a five-star review on iTunes. Give us a follow on Spotify. We're going to keep making these pods. You know, we like I said, we were going to record last night. I chickened out, basically. We didn't do it. We're, we're going to keep making these podcasts. We're going to stick through it. Um, and we're going to try to create some sort of content for... For Arsenal fans, for people that are not as well acquainted with the club, maybe wanting to get into it, or just old friends of ours, um, we're going to keep making content. Um, and uh, hopefully things will look up. Hopefully things will get better. It's going to be a great day. We're yeah. gonna, I'm going to get massively drunk whenever Arsenal win a game in the Premier League again. Like That podcast is going to be a sloppy one because I can't remember what it feels like to win a game in the Premier League, and it's going to be a great day when it finally happens again. So... Whoever's listening, thanks for sticking with us. Thanks for listening in. Um, and hopefully it's a more encouraging, more upbeat podcast next time around or whenever Arsenal do finally turn this shit around. So, yeah. All right. Smoke them if you got them. We're out of here. Fuck them if you got them. All right. We'll talk to you guys most likely after uh, uh, after Boxing Day, after Chelsea away. Fuck them. Fuck them. All right. Talk to you guys later. Love y'all. <laughs>